are going to remember where you were right now for the rest of your life. You're listening to On the Mound with Max Tanzer, Matt Salsler, and Tommy Muma on BIC Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. I'm Matt Sossler alongside Max Tanzer and Tommy Muma. And guys, I took a week off last week due to the Liberty League Championships, and that was also my intention to give Major League Baseball two weeks again to get things right. And they met for hours on end. They pulled a couple of 12-hour days, and we still don't have baseball. Thoughts? I don't have many thoughts left. You know, I was incredibly frustrated this week. I don't want to say I'm tired of being optimistic, but I'm, I'm a little tired of making excuses for them. It's really frustrating. I think all the blame has to go on the owners at this point. They are meeting today with the MLBPA. In fact, Evan Drellick just reported about 30 seconds ago that Dan Halen, Pat Houlihan, Morgan Sword and Reed McPhail have arrived, the negotiating team for Major League Baseball. So, Matt, on your 21st birthday today, happy birthday, my Thank friend. You. Right, happy Maybe birthday. they could pull out a miracle I think get so. this done. I think today's the day to do it for Mr. Saucer. It's a big birthday, big day. I mean, we need baseball back. Beautiful weather outside today on South Hill, so it's baseball weather. we got to make a deal today. You know what broke my heart when I walked outside this morning? Because it was so warm. Yeah. I was like... Oh, I can't wait to turn on a spring training game, right? Because it just feels like it's baseball time now. With 67-degree temperatures outside, the sun shining bright, doesn't even feel like a drop of the snow. I mean, I I think the beach theme from yesterday's basketball game really (laughs) transitioned over to this afternoon. That's right. And we don't have baseball yet. Come on now, guys. Like, we need to figure this out. And what really frustrated me about the whole situation was that the owners essentially, again, are using the fans and the media as pawns to try and gain leverage in this entire argument and misled everyone. It seems like we're leaking misinformation to then get everyone's hopes up so that they could pin more blame on the players. At this point, it seems like they want to cancel essentially all of April because they lose a lot of money due to a lack of attendance, allegedly. I still think that they can make that up with regional sports network deals, but we're not 100% sure on that. But either way, it seems like they're trying to push the players into a position where it makes it look like it's their fault. But the players at this point are not standing back because they want what they want, and they are going to get what they deserve. Yeah, get what they deserve, I think, is... Eh, something we might not see happen because I just I do not have any faith in the owners to really be able to complete this deal. We saw what happened earlier is that they're not negotiating in good faith. They're not. You saw Rob Manfred in that press conference, and he's been banned from so many summer <laughs> collegiate and some major league baseball teams for good reason. I know it's a gimmick. Like I know the Kalamazoo Growlers very well. I know what their deal is. Like I've listened to their pregame speech that they give to the visiting team about their fun policy where they have a juggling first baseman who juggles fire torches. And like they go to during that level game? of fun during the game, during the <laughs> fifth inning. Like wow. It's actually their first base coach. It makes a little more sense. Um, but juggles fire torches. But besides the point, like that's, that's their gimmick. That's what they do. They're more of a fun-oriented team, finished second to last in the division. Kind of shows you what their uh, what their shtick is, but um, my point is is like they're right in this situation. They know what baseball's supposed to be, and I know it's just a gimmick, but it shows 
in a way, what Commissioner Manfred's deal is. Like, he's like, eh, it'll happen, it'll happen. It is what it is. That's his attitude. And I think what he needs to do is, even though he's there to, quote, represent the owners, because they put him in that position, he needs to think not for what he wants, but what is good for the game. And what's good for the game is good for the fans. And I think, honestly, if he switched sides and became more of a middle ground negotiator between Tony Clark and the players and the owners, he'd gain a lot more respect. And right now, he has virtually none. And he brags all the time about how well he's done in negotiations in the past. Then why aren't we bringing it to this, Mr. Manfred? (laughs) I mean, I know it's a very tough position, but at the same time, I mean, you're you're right. If he could serve as—I know he works for the owners, but if he could—yeah, be in the middle because he's the caretaker of the game, right? He has to make it happen at the end of the day, and it's not getting done. And I think that really shows— how stubborn these owners are being right now. Because I think ideally, Rob Manford would want to do that. And I think he tries to do that. I wouldn't be surprised if he's talking to the owners right now and saying, guys, we need to figure this out. Come on. You need to give a little bit more if we want this to make the game better. I think at the end of the day, Rob Manford probably actually wants to give the players a little bit more. But he probably can't because he knows his job is on the line because of it, and the owners have so much leverage and so much power. And you bring up an interesting point, Matt, about that you don't think the players are going to get what they want. I think that's a possibility, too, because they need to make money. And what's going to happen when we're in potentially May and we still haven't come to an agreement yet? I bet you there's going to be a lot of players who today are very strict with what they're standing for right now will start to be a little bit more lenient and say, you know what? I need to get paid this year. I am going to give in. And I think that's what the owners are looking for, which is just truly devastating. And it's essentially the definition of negotiating a bad faith, in my opinion, right now. And you mentioned bad faith. Taking a look at Ross Stripling, he said that Monday night when they were negotiating late into the night, he says they tried to sneak some expletive past the players late in lockout talks. So if that's true, that they put stuff into an agreement that they didn't even discuss, what are we even doing here? How are we putting, like, trying to sneak little things into the deal? That is absurd to me. And you mentioned bad faith. You mentioned it being absurd. We're at the point in negotiations, and I'm going to circle back to uh, Commissioner Manfred's press conference after uh, it was inevitable that there were going to be games missed. And He basically admitted that they really didn't start negotiating until with less than a week left until their deadline that they pushed back, what, 36 hours and still couldn't get a deal done? And you're admitting that you're doing your homework at the last minute. Commissioner Manfred, I have news for you. You're not in college anymore. You're not in high school anymore. You can't do your homework the night before and get away with a C. You need to get an A here because if you get a C— the players are going to be – you're, you, you've already earned a C for turning in your homework late right now. And if it goes another week, couple weeks, and you miss April, that's a D. You get into June, that's an F. And, and I honestly think right now these players or the owners are going to be mad because you mentioned what Stripling said. that They were trying to sneak some things past them. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some things in this CBA that either side is not going to be thrilled with. And they're going to be salty about it. And I know that's the nature of the CBA. Eventually, one side goes to the point where, oh, I just want to play. I just want to do this. Let's just you know, be a little looser on this. But at the same time, it just makes the next CBA harder. And that's why I think they want to figure this out now. You know, 
I was talking to someone about a week and a half ago, and they brought up the fact that these guys are negotiating not just for now but the future. And if they, again, just take a step back and you know succumb to what the owners want, which they essentially did five years ago in the previous CBA, we're going to deal with this five years from now again. they got to figure this out at some point. It's something, too, to talk about to Tommy's point about them sneaking you know, different you know, rules and regulations and financial adjustments in without talking to the players. That just shows you how they're not really taking this seriously talking about the owners. Yeah, well, it's incredibly shady. But two, they obviously don't care enough to get this right right now because Mm -hmm. they know that they will be fine financially if they miss a month here because they're trying to protect the projected funds from 10 years from now. But I'll tell you what, no matter what, they're going to have that money still. I mean, I, I said this to someone the other day. It might have been one of you guys about Jeffrey Laurie and the Marlins. Mm-hmm. The Marlins have been one of the least productive teams over the last 20 years. And it's funny coming from someone who roots for the Mariners. But <laughs> it, it's true. The Marlins have not spent a lot of money. They have not been successful. And before Laurie sold the team to the Jeter group, he essentially didn't commit anything and then sells them for a billion-dollar profit. He did the minimum, if you could even consider it that. And over 10, 20 years, that team still grew by a billion dollars. That that says everything right there about what it's like, the advantages of investing in a baseball team. And and my, yeah, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say that there's no excuses, in my opinion, at this point. What kind of money are they so afraid of losing when no matter what, they're going to be okay? If you're buying a baseball team, I'm sorry, spend some money. Help out your players a little bit. No one forced you to. I keep saying it every week, but it's the same story each time. A hundred percent. And let's talk about Derek Jeter leaving for a minute because this, obviously it's a big deal with Derek Jeter just because of who he is with him leaving as the president of the Marlins. But it it goes to your point as well because uh, Joel Sherman was reporting that the reason he left was because he was told there was going to be about $15 million more in the payroll and then it was kind of taken away um, by the majority owner. His name's slipping my mind at the moment. But um, but that's the thing. They're not willing to spend, and Derek wasn't going to work for a team that uh, wasn't willing to do that. But, um, you know, and obviously that's been a huge discussion of these talks is uh, teams that are not fully committed. I mean, you think about, yes, the Marlins made the playoffs in a shortened season. They haven't been really competitive. Um, Since you know, 2003. That's right. Since the last time they... They won the World Series, which is, you know, I mean, that's wild to me that you think about how much turnover there is in the game, right? And it's been pretty much 20 years since they were last even remotely competitive. And uh, that's got to change. I know they're trying to address that in the CBA, but um, definitely some some issues in the game that, you know, are important to fight for, I think. And um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting time. Yeah, I think they were going to try and push for Castellanos. I think that's what Jeter's goal was right there. And yeah, the Marlins aren't spending any money right now, so I don't know why they need to cut it from $15 million. And you'd think with the young arms that they have, I know that division's very competitive, but you haven't essentially legitimately made the playoffs. I'm not counting 2020 too much in this argument. You haven't legitimately made the playoffs in more than a decade. You'd think that there'd be a want to actually compete and spend money. And it's not like the Diamondbacks have the payroll of the Padres right now and are any close to that luxury tax. That's what's frustrating. And Derek Jeter's a winner. He is. He spent 20-plus years with the New York Yankees, and I respect him a lot for leaving because of that. 
Well, Tommy, you must be thrilled with this decision. You can now see him at Old Timers Day. But <laughs> I did bring that up. It bothered me. He was never at Old Timers Day. It's such a fun tradition. Do you think he'd go anyway? I think he might. I, okay. Jorge goes. Andy Pettit. Jorge's Mo goes. His best, bestie, right? I know they're best friends. The whole core four is gone except Derek. So I think uh, August is when it's going to. Maybe happen, that's the reason why the Yankees have been able to make it to the World Series. It could the core be. Core four has been separated. It could be. I don't yeah, they're, know. They're not going to make it this year because they're not going to be an Old Timers Day. <laughs> How right. come? Oh well, I think I think we're gonna have it. But something interesting, I thought too. It was reported the teams who voted against increasing the collective bargaining tax. It was the Angels, the D-backs, the Reds, and the Tigers. And I find it hilarious that the Angels. I think it's Art Moreno. I believe is their owner. Yeah. I find it hilarious that he voted against this and is essentially one of the four owners that held talks back for so long because this is an organization that has the two most dynamic players in all baseball and hasn't been able to do anything. You'd think he would be trying to do everything he could to put a good product on the field. Yet. Not only do that, but play baseball. You're wasting Shohei Otani's career. You're wasting Mike Trout's exactly. career. You're wasting their time. Anthony Rendon. They yeah, not to mention well. that too. Like You literally have three of the top players in their position group, let alone the game. Reigning MVP, one of the best players that we might see of all time, assuming Shoei can keep it up for another 10, 15 years. And it's just a statement of the Angels. It's well, Mike of Trout they are. as well. I well mean, yeah. And I think it sort of exposes what has been holding the Angels back for quite some time now because people look at that team and obviously they've never really had the pitching, but you're just wondering where is the structure here? Where's the direction? They bring in Perry Manassian as the new GM, and I think he's done a fairly good job so far. They've been starting to prioritize pitching a lot more, but you still wonder, how can you have Mike Trout, let alone just Mike Trout, and not be trying to build a winning team? Because everyone knows that Mike Trout by himself is not going to be good enough. You add Rendon to the picture. You add Otani to the picture. You have Marsh and Adele coming up as outfield prospects as well. You'd think this would be a team who's trying to push. And I get it. You go get Syndergaard and so forth. But the fact that they're hesitant about spending money, that we're putting them in the same boat as teams like the D-backs, Reds, and Tigers right now. I'm sorry. I guess the Angels are considered smaller market in Anaheim. But they're not. They're not. They aren't, and they can afford to spend money right now. I know. I they know have they're three the biggest contracts in the league. Exactly, and also I understand that. Yes, Anaheim. It's Anaheim. You look at the L.A. metro area, exactly. and it's just where their ballpark is. They're the L.A. Angels of Anaheim, and honestly, I think they should. Uh, I mean, they're acting like children, and it makes sense because Disneyland's right across the street. <laughs> uh, but again, going to your point. They have no business being mentioned in the same sentence with regard to what we're talking about as Arizona, very small market, also not a baseball market. Arizona is not a sports market in general with the exception of the Cardinals and maybe the Phoenix Suns right now with the way they've been playing. But literally their hockey team's going to be playing in an arena that is smaller than most junior hockey rinks come next year. And it's just not a good sports market. Detroit, even though they might be on the up and up with A.J. Hinch, they're literally home to the worst football franchise in the history of the NFL and the Detroit Lions. And I think that's a little harsh, man. It's not a little harsh. <laughs> tell that. Tell who has another top ten pick this year. I know nothing about football. The I Detroit Lions, um, <laughs> home to one of the worst franchises in basketball after 1990 in the Detroit Pistons and the Detroit Red Wings, who haven't been able to get anything done since they moved back to the Eastern Conference. My case in point is L.A. has been a city of champions. Over the past few years, you got the Rams, Lakers, Dodgers, 
everybody's getting it done. And the Angels have a great chance to hop on that bandwagon and their GM owners holding them back. It's unacceptable. And then also, on top of that, the owners like didn't even want to implement meal money for their players, which I think is silly. You know, you're taking meal them plans. Yeah, that, that's how that's how petty we're getting here. Meal, meal plans. plans. They don't want to implement meal plans. Like, what are we doing? Like, that's really like that's where we are now. We're talking about the fact that they don't want to spend money on meal plans. Food. <laughs> Do they it's, not understand that that's like a necessity? Well, that's been the thing in the minor leagues for how many years? Yeah, exactly. But... Like, people are eating spam every single day in the minor leagues. But honestly, though, it's like, what is everybody doing? What is everybody doing? Also, why is this so hard? That's been my question since November in early December. Why is this so hard? I don't think it is. I think that they it's just not. don't care. It's not. They I'm don't confused. care. Oh, I just saw something from ESPN that came through. Breaking news? Not breaking. Uh, well, uh. MLB wants. Oh wait, wait, wait. They want pitch clocks of 14 seconds no. with empty bases and 19 seconds with runners on. That's from Jesse Rogers Why? of ESPN. Why? Um, Pace of play. I don't know. And remember the other day too. They want to adjust the size of the bases, right? They want bigger bases. Why don't you just put a safety bag over? Why don't you just put a safety bag over? Why don't you just put a safety bag over base and turn this into like senior league softball? Like, honestly, why are also why are the owners and players focusing on irrelevant? I know it might be relevant, but compared to the more important stuff, they're focusing on things that are irrelevant. It doesn't matter to the players if first base is a little larger. It matters to the players that the pitch clock might be implemented, but and it's different why are with we runners fo- on. Exa- and- why do you know how confusing that is? Also, why are you running a pitch clock? I get it. If someone's taking 80 years, cough, cough, Pedro Baez, cough, cough, to pitch, yeah, then that's a problem, and it should be up to the umpire's discretion. But why are you rushing rhythm? This isn't basketball, where you need to have a shot clock to keep the game going the other way. This isn't football, where you literally need a play clock, otherwise the offense is going to hang out of the football at the line of scrimmage for 80 years. This is baseball. You have to play the game. It's untimed. It's the only untimed sport that exists in the four major sports, and you have to play to go home. You can't just sit and hold the baseball because then nothing happens. The game doesn't move along. And I I, I think trying to shorten the difference between how long guys are taking between pitches by two seconds isn't going to do much. Yeah, you're right. Pedro Baez, you know, sure, every once in a while you come across a guy who's going to take 30 seconds. That's unacceptable at that point. But I, I, I think it's such a minuscule thing to be picking at when there's so many more glaring issues right now. Something interesting I saw was... Focus, focus on the... Going back. Focus on the meal plans. Focus on getting yeah. your players <laughs> as opposed to making first base a little larger. I mean, I don't know what the reason why they're making first base a little larger. I don't know if it's I a safety... I think it was all the base. Is it a safety issue or are they I just trying to shorten the distance to have more stolen bases? They want to increase stolen bases and I think also they want to eliminate when guys slide off the bag by a hair and then they do instant replay uh, so they're trying to make it easier to hold on to because I honestly will admit but what's like the that, difference what's the difference for instant replay there if the base is a little larger and it just makes are, it easier to hold on to but so like they won't are, be slipping off it's like, gonna eliminate those plays yeah it's it a little are, bit more but if players yeah. are still off by a hair they're still off by a hair no but I think it's their their mindset is that if you make it larger and maybe a little bit taller then it'll be easier to grab onto and so they'll be easier for them to I mean, stay these players, the yes and no. I mean, these players have all been through the iPhone drill where everybody places their phone on the <laughs> on the base and it fo- to focus on touching the corner of the bag. Again, I just think it's an issue that why are you, why 
It's like going back to my homework example. It's like doing the easy questions first and then leaving the hard one for the end, but the hard questions are worth the most points. And he, exactly. already, has a, he already has a C on the assignment anyways. Well, here's, here's the thing. The thing. What's holding them back is the collective bargaining tax, simply speaking, and then maybe the – Postseason situation, which I think I actually goes if hand we get in into hand. that. If we get into that, cancel I, I New York, take a should, walk. I think we should get into they that. They could both go hand uh, in hand. Max, Max, cancel New York, take a walk. We're gonna <laughs> you were going to be here all night oh, long. Boy. Too bad it's so nice out. We won't, we won't see the sun at all today. Um, but, you know, I, I, think, <laughs> I think they go hand in hand because I th- with the expanded postseason, if there's 14 teams, that's – what, at least five plus more games for MLB to make billions of dollars from these TV companies like ESPN, Fox, and TBS. And so if there's an increase in that, the owners are obviously going to be happy. And that could potentially play a role into this collective bargaining tax increasing because the players can say, if you're making more money from this postseason, then you guys should pay us more. It's just a question if the owners are willing to to do that. I don't think they are. I mean, forget the finances. I know it's important that they can make a lot of money off of the TV deals from more postseason games, but why are what what is the value of the postseason when you play 162 games and you have nearly a 50% chance of making the playoffs? You could win less than half your games. They don't matter. And still make the playoffs. What does April and May mean? Nothing. Well, that's the no. argument. I've been <laughs> like I know there are a lot of non-baseball fans listening right now. I know there are. And honestly, here's something that you all will appreciate. Every single time I watch a baseball game in April and May, and I get invested to it because I'm just watching the game. You know, you watch baseball, you get invested in it. And every time someone walks in the room and they're like, it's April, they're losing. Why are you getting frustrated over that play? And I say, call me on game 162 and you'll see why. Mm-hmm. And Max, I'm sure you can attest to that from the <laughs> last season. Not to take it, it's to it's to help my cause and PTSD, to help man. it's to help our all of our arguments here. Yes. <laughs> um. But like you said, if you have over oh, a little less than a 50% chance of making the playoffs, we're not going to see game 162 anymore like we saw last year where we had three games across three monitors and literally every single play impacted another game going on literally all the way across the country from New York, Boston, all the way to Seattle. And we're just and not – we're not yeah. – in Toronto to international. And we're going to – we're never going to see that again. We never will see that because – I mean, we might see it in terms of seating, but that's it. It'll but it's for the 14th spot or the seventh spot, excuse me. But at the same time, it's like once you're in, you're in. I get like divisional titles matter and stuff like that, but those are rarely played for on game 162. It's mostly for position in that that spot. One of the best days in baseball I've seen. I, I'm no, I know you don't like it, but it was game 163 in 2000. Uh, 18. 18, yeah. That Cubs, was so much Brewers, fun. But, but the day before that was even more fun where you – I was rooting for as many 163s as possible. And yeah. it just – it formulated perfectly where we got Dodgers, Rockies, Cubs, Brewers on that Monday. And that's what makes baseball fun. The last day of the year, all the games start at once, which is something that Manfred implemented that I think was actually a good thing. Something good. Yeah. And is that a part of the CBA where they revoke that to get primetime rights? <laughs> I know, right? No. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm giving him a hard time. <laughs> I know. Because, of course, he would try to get rid of the one good thing when uh, that's the only good thing. Exactly. And, and I have no words. I have no words, guys. I was so optimistic a week ago. I legit- well, you should have seen Tommy. I mean, he's always optimistic. I know, but but like you were, I feel like you were more optimistic. You're like they're gonna get a deal done. They're gonna get a deal done. Meanwhile, I was very. Meanwhile, confident. I'm in the other room and I'm like, no. No, I literally remember we had a phone call the night that they were 
yes, talking yes. until 3 a.m. Well, because John Heyman said they're going to stay till a deal's done. So I was like, that boom, I'm going to wake up and there's going to be a deal. I woke up, there was no deal. There's a lot of positivity yeah. right now on Twitter about these negotiations in New York. And I feel bad for everyone because I hope I'm wrong. I don't think they're getting anything done today. No, they're not getting not anything tonight. done today. They say they're going to get a deal done, and every single time, they just don't. And they also have no urgency right now. Now that they're not trying to save games, they don't care. These negotiations could end in April, and it's the same thing as if it ends now. Trellick says the players today are expected to make a proposal to the league formalizing previously discussed positions and introducing some new ones. Really? You know what that's called? Negotiating, yeah, <laughs> like like uh, I, I hey, respect, baby steps. I, right? I, I respect the I respect I respect the work and reporting. At this point, MLB beat writers are scraping the bottom of the barrel uh, for things to report on, considering players can't do anything right now. But really, the, the, they're going to discuss old topics and bring in some new topics. I had a lot of respect. That's like saying I'm going to the grocery store and I am buying some food. It's going to happen. <laughs> oh boy. I know. Well, hopefully, hopefully they like, you know, open up the pockets a little bit and are like, "All right, it's Thanksgiving tonight. We're feasting tonight." <laughs> hey, we could only hope. But I have a lot of respect for the players. I was listening to Tony Clark the other day, and um, you know, during their press conference, and obviously, when you listen to their press conference, it's going to be, you know, it's going to seem like they're a hundred percent the right. And there are, I'm sure, there's blame on both sides, of course, but. To me, like, you listen to everything that he says, and obviously they have been willing to, you know, give up some stuff throughout this whole process. They're willing to talk about certain things. Tony Clark said they asked months ago for their proposal on rule changes, and it didn't come till last week. And it's just, it's very frustrating. I think Because this play, has been their yeah. plan the whole time. I was so optimistic it wasn't the case. I was so convinced that they wanted to figure this out. But honestly, to me, it seems like they had their minds made up in December that they didn't want to play in April and they were going to do whatever it could to make it happen. And then they were going to weave around and try and find a way to make it look like they cared, in which they did for a very long time. And I think I think they're exposed now. Yeah. And it's sad. And that's why, and that's why, like we may get a May fifteenth opening if day. If you know that plan, if you know you have that game plan, why don't you be a good student and get it done two weeks in advance? Why didn't they say on December second, "Here's how this is going to go"? And even though the players would have been extremely mad about that, like, "Oh, you just don't want to play in April. You're lazy." Well, I think the players wouldn't have accepted. They wouldn't the have accepted it, but like, but then and why? That's why don't, they're forcing. But what I'm shocked happen. is then why don't the owners have a perfect proposal for the players ready right now to just Maybe fork over to them? I mean, it could happen, uh, but, like, if that does, then this is a game that, why are you playing it? You're ruining the sport. You are they wounding, are. This is you're wounding yourself yeah. for no reason. It's, so, a, it's a kamikaze mission. This It is. This is the type of situation that we look back on and say, this is yeah. what changed the game of baseball. <clears throat> you're not going to lose us as fans. There's going to be a fan base. And, in fact... In a twisted way, I think the longer they wait, the higher the anticipation will be for the return, which... No, is, no. But but at the same time, if they wait too long, which they're getting to right now, fans are going to get burnt out and give up. There's so many more I think so they already are. They already are because now when... I know you have the diehards like us, but now you have the casual fan 
who sees this childish behavior taking place. And there's other stuff to pay attention to. Tommy and I, you were, you were, you and I were talking about this yesterday in uh, regards to different things. But like, at the end of the day, like while we love baseball, we want to make our lives out of this game. It's a game. It's a game. Yep. There's more important things to focus on. And what baseball's doing right now is they're basically telling people, go focus on other things because we're not coming back soon. And and they're impacting a lot of people's lives, not just these players, but yeah. ballpark employees. They're impacting and so Joe in 103 who sells the hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. That's he right. can't sell hot dogs anymore, and that might be a quarter of his yearly income, if yeah. not more. And to go back to what you were saying about people find other things, it was a great question that I'm not sure who asked it, but to Rob Manford during the press conference, do you worry about Netflix and Hulu so many things that people can watch rather than watching your game while it's not taking place. People are going to find other things, and they will. I, I mean, it's have. a fact. They already have. And, you know, people like Keith Alderman. You got these Alderman, new football leagues coming into the spring, too. I exactly. Know. And also, Major, the Major League Baseball's biggest competitor, like, if I ask the question, well, who's, Major League, who's Major League Baseball's biggest competitor? I don't know. You could say the NFL. You could say the NBA. You could say the NHL. You could say any other sports league. First answer is themselves because they're just hurting themselves at this point. Second one is, like you said, streaming services, Netflix, Hulu, literally anything else. The three of us going outside and just relaxing on a nice day right now, like, they're hurting themselves because this would have been the optimal day. And I know we're all diehard nerds for this game, <laughs> but this is the perfect day to take the lawn chair, sit out on the balcony with the laptop, and put, in, ball, and put on some spring training. Oh like, this God, is the perfect day for that. And the fact that it's just not there, they're blowing it. They're blowing it, it. And we're living in a society that is addicted to and relies on immediacy. And yep. streaming services provide that. And the fact that baseball is not right there in your kitchen is a huge problem. Well, baseball is, and we'll talk about it later. A but, different uh, type of baseball, yes. We, yeah. One that's not as accessible and one that's not marketed as much, though. Like, exactly, even though problem. it should be, because this past week in college baseball, my, oh my. Yeah. But uh, we'll get to that later, but any final thoughts on the, I don't even know what adjective to use. <laughs> There's so many, but disaster, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> like Suicide mission? Suicide mission, my- thunderstorm, like... There's so many, this is a situation where there's so many adjectives that you can't even think of all of them. <laughs> uh, a nightmare, but <laughs> last takes on this, uh, I don't know, they gotta wh- figure whatever it out. the adjective is in baseball. Figure it out. I said it like a month ago, I think, on one yeah. of our first shows. A month back. ago, two months ago, three months it ago, four like, months ago. We're approaching 100 days, guys. Why is it every time that we have a live episode in studio in the month of January, February, and March, the season doesn't start on time? Well, because the lockout started in December, but it, no, it's because this baseballism of an NLEs <laughs> oh. team beating the Houston Astros in the World Series it is. continues. It but is. I think it's they will fault. play though. That I honestly I do. do. Too. I've heard some people say they don't think there's going to be a season. Like Keith Alberman, like he's saying they're not going to play. To me, the sport would never ever recover if they didn't but, have a full. But season. I have a I have a question for you, Tommy. And this yeah. is real quick, and Max, you can answer this too. What's your definition of a season? Because I know you neglected the COVID season with regard to the Marlins and their situations. Yeah. I know. So, I know. To be well, based counts, on prior but... conversations, you would you would accept it for other examples. Uh, but when do, when does opening day need to happen in order for you to say? And I don't care if the Yankees or Mariners win the World Series. Take that out, so you have no bias. Yes. 
Virginia when does opening day need to happen for you to think it's legit? Well, I'll start out. If the Mariners make the playoffs in a 60-game season, I'll be happy, but I'll be disappointed at the same time because it won't feel real. So I, I think that describes it the best way I can. A season's a season. 2020 did happen. The Dodgers did win a World Series, and I think that should be recognized. But when you assess it, you have to keep in mind that it was shortened and there was an expanded postseason, which could have even made it more difficult for the Dodgers, making it a little bit even more impressive or authentic. But as long as they play 60 games or more, I I would count it as a season. However, that doesn't mean I'm going to be satisfied with it. And that's the most important thing to me. When I look on Mike Trout's baseball reference page 20 years from now, and it says 60 games, 40 games, 60 games, because he missed so much of last year too with the injuries, I'll be so disappointed. Think about what we could be seeing here, not just with Trout, but with Tatis, Guerrero Jr., all of these guys, Acuna, Soto. The amount of stars baseball has developing under the age of 25 right now is absurd, and the majority of them haven't even come up yet. Julio Rodriguez, Adley Rutschman, so forth, the list goes on. Wander Franco just coming up, and you're taking at-bats away from those guys? You're taking innings away from those guys? Come on. This is a chance to market those guys, to set the tone for what's going to be a new, explosive, fun a genuine era of baseball could be, and they're taking that away from everyone, and they're taking it away from themselves. For sure. I'm actually in a little bit of a different spot. To me, they can't cancel many more than they already have. I I feel like you have to play 120, 130 games. I know they've only canceled six up to this point, but um, you know, as the, the clock is continuing to tick and it's likely the other games are going to be canceled, to me, you have to play around 130 for it to be legitimate because I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I've said on the show, I don't hold much value in the Dodgers World Series in 2020 at all. I don't think that, I mean, obviously they were the best team through that stretch, but how do you know people aren't going to get hurt during that time? There, We all know tremendous teams have had injuries and, you know, things happen throughout the season. To me, if it's, yeah, I mean, well, over 100 games, I'd still be like, you know, it's somewhat legitimate. But, no, to me, you got to play at least 130 games. Yeah, I'm more on Tommy's side of this. I think you have to play around that number of games in order for it to be considered. And you know why? Because you could end it today and keep negotiating. That's why. Because this lockout could end right now. And you're losing games, like, it's just ridiculous. Well, because they don't mind losing games. I know. And they know the players won't agree to shortening the season because the players obviously want to make as much money as possible. They do. And the owners are going to try and prorate their salaries, and the players, of course, are going to fight for full 162-game salaries, which I think they have an argument for because it's not like the players asked to be locked out. The owners locked them out. So this is all on the owners at this point. And to rephrase what I was saying, I get, I get what you guys are saying. 130 games or more, I think, is the benchmark for what I would also consider like a legitimate, authentic season. But my, my, my point of view is that as long as you get a bulk of baseball in, you get a bulk of baseball in. And like, I think anything less than 60 games at that point is nothing, is absolutely nothing. But I think if they get to the point where we're in June and they're like, let's, let's just do a 60-game season, I'd rather them do that than not. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, well, yeah, I mean, that's obvious, but at the same time, it's like, that's the consolation prize. It is. 
and they can't get. It's a consolation prize. They can't they can have rest two on their sixty laurels. game seasons in three years. I know it, it, it's insane. They can't do it. It's not good for the game. But something that's good for the game, Max. You mentioned the rising stars in Major League Baseball that are not getting their opportunity. A lot of them under twenty five. Several other uh, prospective stars who are under 25 are really tearing it up on the base pass. When we come back, we'll take a look at the best from college baseball this past week. For Tommy Muma, Max Tanzer, I'm Matt Sasser. We'll be right back in a few minutes. You are listening to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. You are listening to VIC Radio, the only radio station that can teach robots how to love. The best of what's next. When the red flashing lights on a school bus come on and the stop sign comes out, you must stop. In New York State, you cannot move again until the red flashing lights go off and the stop sign is retracted, or until the driver or a traffic officer signals it is okay to pass. You must stop even on the opposite side of a divided highway. If you decide it's okay to risk a child's life and pass a stop school bus, you could face fines or even have your license revoked. Is it really worth it? Always obey the school bus stopping law in your state. Do you love listening to us and want to keep up to date on all things VIC? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at VIC Radio. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Matt Sossler alongside Max Tanzer and Tommy Moomaw. We discussed the disaster in Major League Baseball, their inability to get a deal done in time of the deadline for not missing any games. Hence, six games have already been crossed off the schedule with the potential for many more. But I think it, we owe our time to the players who are playing baseball right now and working really hard, and those are the guys at the collegiate level. A lot of news this past week in college baseball. Max, why don't you start us off? Well... I love that intro, but I do have some sad news for college baseball fans, so I'm sorry to take a little bit of a direction or a step backwards. But uh, Landon Sims, who is one of the premier starting pitchers in the NCAA this year, left his outing a couple days ago against Tulane with an elbow injury, it looked like, potentially the UCL. He struck out 10 of the first 11 hitters he faced and then felt some discomfort, started shaking that elbow. And that's not a good sign, especially for what's a very thin pitching market for the draft this year. Uh, Landon Sims for Mississippi State was one of the top arms. It was closer last year, was trying to make that transition to starting. Um, so you got to hope he's okay, because that's a huge loss right there. And that's someone that I think everyone was just keeping their eyes on, super excited to watch moving forward here. For sure. I mean, heard great things about him, definitely. Um, unfortunate. So is it confirmed you said that he's out with the... He's the out. I don't think there's a diagnosis yet, though. I gotcha. Yeah, I mean, definitely wish him the best. One of the, the better pitchers in college baseball won a national title last year with Mississippi State. So, uh, yeah, certainly wishing him the best. Yeah, and you mentioned that I do have uh, some happier headlines. I have a couple takeaways from this past week in college baseball. And, Tommy, 
Yeah. I, I, we're going to have a discussion here because it's <laughs> one of the players that I know personally versus a team that you know a couple guys from personally. I'm going to break down the Kentucky TCU series. Yes. The Wildcats having a fantastic weekend of baseball there, taking two out of three over a top 10 team in TCU. And the star of the series, no doubter in my mind, Chase Estep, a three-run jack in game number two, had a home run, three RBIs with that, also got hit by a pitch, Ryan Ritter, who you know also got hit by a pitch, but I mentioned a couple weeks ago that Chase was going to tear it up this year for Kentucky, and he has done just that. He's been fantastic. He's played multiple positions, and also just with the bat, he's got really good contact point, good timing, and part of that is because he's a teacher as well as a student of the game. He's willing to make his teammates better, and that's why he's having the success that he has had, especially over the first couple of weeks in this season. I also want to give a shout-out. You know, One of the biggest arguments that I harp on uh, in the world of baseball is that it doesn't matter what level of baseball you're playing. D1, D2, D3, NAIA, JUCO, doesn't matter. You have people who are going to dominate no matter what level they're at. And that happened this past week when Loris College... Small little D3 in Wisconsin took on Iowa. Big Ten, not really too strong in the Big Ten, but still, you're looking at a Big Ten school versus a D3 school. It's Big Ten, Big Ten. Ethan Peters, 2021 Kenosha Kingfish, actually started for the Kingfish. Also, native of Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin. Petey actually started the season on a temp contract for Kenosha and earned himself a full, and he got the one and two-third inning save against Iowa. Fantastic work from Petey, and just, again, to my point, that it doesn't matter what level of baseball you're playing. Really, really cool moment, and I think, honestly, if I was a D1 program, or I was representing a D1 program, I'd feel a little nervous playing these D3, these JUCO schools. I think um, Sacramento State got blown out by an NAIA a couple weeks ago, too, and you're in that situation. The, The D1 school has Everything to lose. If the if the JUCO team, the D3 team loses, it was kind of expected. And when you see them come out, I saw the video on Twitter uh, that you sent to me, and you could just see how special of a moment that was for them. Um, I think you take a lot of pride in that right there, because I think people harp on the fact that D3 is such a far drop down from what, where these D1 guys are at. But you're right. College baseball is college baseball. Exactly. I don't care where you went to school. Like It does not matter. Like I've seen players... Every single level dominate in summer ball, and now we're seeing it in spring ball in scholastic ball. Mr. Well. LeCastro, hey. Case in point, example. you mentioned LeCastro. Uh, big weekend uh, for the South Hill squad. Yeah, they're 4-1 and one to start the season. Had a couple of big wins yesterday, 10-1 to one and 17-4 to four in a doubleheader against the college at Old Westbury. Um, yeah, quite the, the weekend for them. And, yeah, they only have one loss, and... Uh, that was last weekend against Virginia Wesleyan University, and still played really well. At least uh, you know at the plate, lost thirteen to eight. So um, yeah, really great start for the Bombers. And the thing that jumps out to me immediately off the bat too is huh. one <laughs> no no pun intended. Wow, that was legitimately <laughs> that was not great. intended right there. Uh, it's so hard to make the transition from spending the entire off season hitting off a live pitching in the cages yeah. out into. Being outdoors, you could argue the same thing with pitching, but at least with pitching, you can simulate those at bats. When you're hitting in a cage in the A and E Center, for example, which is synthetic track surface, a hundred percent, you have these 
bright fluorescent lights that are literally hanging down right where the pitcher releases the ball, it's almost impossible. It's incredibly <laughs> difficult. Then you have to make that transition out onto the field. And this Bombers team has come out of the gates explosive, scoring 10 or more runs in three of those five games, including this weekend. Where How many runs did they combine for, Tommy? 27? Uh, yeah, 27 runs. It's it's unbelievable stuff as a team. They're slugging 518 and on base clip of 444. I think the competition will increase as the season goes on. That's something we have to keep in mind. But well, they got the top ranked team in the country this week. Yep. So that that'll be great. But what I think stands out to me too is a couple of first year students really stepping up for them after losing Callahan and Lynch last year. Uh, Nicholas Kutia Kutia, excuse me, hitting 526 an OPS of. 1362, a double, a triple, 10 hits in total, six RBIs. Connor Peterson had that big walk-off hit. Uh, he's been struggling a little bit more as of late. He's just six for 23, but five RBIs for a guy who's taking over at shortstop for Jack Lynch, who had that spot held down for quite some time. Really impressive stuff. It's really interesting to see Dave Valicente, uh trusting these freshmen as much as he has. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, had a great freshman class last year, and obviously some... Uh, big contributors this year, but yeah, I mean, I think the future is certainly bright for the team. I mean, uh, and I'm taking a look at the the box scores. Collins is shady with a grand slam yesterday. Um, great day for them offensively. I mean, obviously, when you combine for 27 runs, but they left the yard a few times. I think uh, you know three or four home runs on the day, and you know, you think about that double header. They outscored their opponent. Uh, twenty-seven to five, which <laughs> that'll pitch, do. Yeah, so pitch pretty well too, and say so myself. Lewis, I, th- I think they need to do a little better. I don't think that's enough. Louis <laughs> <laughs> Fabo having a good start to the year as well. Buzz Shirley in his pitching debut yesterday got the start, tossed five innings of one run ball. Kyle Lambert has just been a stud both last he'll, year. He'll find himself on a Northwoods League or potentially a temp in the cave. I would not be surprised come summertime. And both his starts this year, seven innings in his first one, got up to 100 pitches, which surprised me a little bit as well. That's good for him, though, because let you mind last year, he did not get to that. Last year with the COVID schedule, it Absolutely. was always a 7-9-7-9 at each ballpark, and Lambert was always the Friday 7. So he really didn't have a chance to get that pitch count up there, and it's good to see that he's getting that endurance in now. Seven innings of work against New Paltz. Got the quality start. Three runs, just two of them are nine strikeouts to just one walk. Another thing to look out for early on here is the strike-to-ball efficiency so far, and Lambert's had that covered easily. Uh, again, then against Old Westbury on the fifth yesterday. Four innings, four hits, one run it was earned, seven strikeouts to no walks. Just looking at this team in general, 14 walks in a team to 47 strikeouts. So they've been efficient so far, which I think is really important here moving forward early in the season because this is generally where you see sloppy baseball. Lots of errors, lots of walks, games get away, and it's been the complete opposite so far for uh, Dave Valicente's ball club. So very encouraging start. But, yes, as you said, uh, I think, and as I alluded to as well, that schedule will get a lot more difficult, lot especially harder. with playing Cortland here on Tuesday. That's going to be a fantastic game. That one in SUNY Cortland. So, what's, what's the weather on Tuesday? Let's check that. Let's take a look. I think it's supposed to be mid fifties or so, not sixty-seven like today. But yeah, they might not be playing baseball on Tuesday. Snow showers, thirty-three oh, degrees. Lovely. Let's check the individual percentages. Actually, it honestly depends on the. Honestly, depends on the. Honestly, depends on the crew at Cortland and how well they can keep that field it's intact. Turf, right? Turf, turf and field. It is turf in Cortland. Yep. Okay. okay, I think it's turf and field, grass outfield. I could be wrong. I'll yeah, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen their field. You guys have probably seen it more than I have. The only time I saw it was uh, from the press box from their football field at Cortica. But I'm taking a look right, right now. Right now, so. it, 
Again, it's upstate New York. This thing could change within the next 30 seconds, but... Oh, yeah. no, it looks like it's... It says cloudy sky. Right now, it's supposed to clear up uh, by the time first pitch would happen. And the luxury they have with college baseball is that they can pretty much play whenever they feel the time is right. Obviously, there are some parameters for a midweek game given class commitments, but uh, if they need to move first pitch up or back an hour, it's not the hardest thing to do. But... That could also play a factor is that you – even though it's turf, I know everybody thinks, oh, when you play on turf, you can play through a monsoon. You can play through a mudslide. You can play for anything. Yes, you can, but turf during snow. or right after a rain or snowstorm, lace up your skates. It's an ice rink. It's very slippery. The ball, depending on what kind of snow and rain it is, could either significantly slow down or significantly speed up because if it's a nice mist, a nice hiss of rain – and it creates just a thin layer of water, that ball's going to skid and fly. If it is anything beyond that, you look at a downpour, anything that's raining straight down, it's obviously going to slow the turf down and slow that baseball up. The bright side is, though, is that it'll smooth the surface a little bit, so it'll make life a little easier for the middle infielders to field those ground balls. I've been trying to look for a picture of their baseball field for about five minutes now, <laughs> and it's been tough. But I've seen some turf fields here with them wearing white pants, so I'm going to assume it's turf, but don't take my Unless they're one of those baseball teams that wears white on the road. Oh, it's a disgrace started. to the game. When I play, I'm going to be the show, yeah. and my roommate wears white pants when he's on the road. <laughs> I can't. Why do you wear white pants on the road? I don't know. Why? It's not how it's done. It's not. Like, literally. I'll with, tell with, Lucas. With, with, like, yeah. What are you doing, buddy? <laughs> like, with, like, with Kenosha, our blue pants... Uh, came in on the last possible chance for us to wear them for our first road series. And I I said, like, I don't know what's going on. You just can't wear white on the road. We actually wound up wearing white on the road, all white on the road for one game. It was actually coming full circle against the Kalamazoo Growlers towards the end of the season because they were wearing some Superman promotional jersey. And it was, like, blue and red, and it had so many colors on it. Uh nightmare for me considering the numbers oh that's the you worst you not see anything and not only that they had three players wearing the same jersey number oh. because it was a specialty jersey and whenever you have a specialty jersey sometimes you have to yeah. you don't you don't order the specialty jerseys based on what the size. player's original jersey yeah. is in sizes um so i think they had like 324s or something like that and it was just annoying. I was did they talking, do like? Did they put the tape on to make it like eighty four or eighty no, or twenty eight? No, or like no. No, and I was talking. I forget his name. I, well, that I, shouldn't I, be allowed. I forget That's his name. I feel bad, but their PA guy, excellent guy in Kalamazoo, loves the team. <laughs> they have great mac and cheese there, by the way. There he, we go. He always I'm has trying. a nice vat. It's I mean, one, it's in Wisconsin, right? Kalamazoo's in Michigan. Oh, Michigan, excuse me. Yeah, they have one of those it's nice for Derek vats. Jeter's exactly, from. and they going full circle again. That's but right. they he. He always brings a nice like buffet tray of mac and cheese up to the press box and shares with everybody. Excellent guy. But we were talking, and he was as annoyed as I was. He's like, I can't tell who's playing. I don't want to or misannounce their name on who it is and get it wrong because then when you do that, you mess up the scores. You mess up everybody. And he, he, he was not thrilled with that to say so myself. But my case in point with that is we had to wear white on the road, and it just – it, it didn't, even though we had to, and it was a nice thing to do, considering it was a charity special night for them. It, it just didn't look right. No, it, it's. I remember we had a charity one for Guns and Hoses night. It was celebrating the police <laughs> and fire department, and they had these almost. I don't know how to describe it, but it almost looked like 
you know, a, a very a military theme in a way. You had like the camo camo yeah. in the numbers, and it legitimately was camouflaged. You could not see the numbers, especially <laughs> they were like that dark green color with like a gold, so they just blended together in one. And I'm just sitting up there trying to look at these guys' numbers, and I'm like, I have no shot. There's no <laughs> chance. And I don't think they think of the broadcasters or the PA announcers or the scores when they're making these jerseys. I'll tell you that. However, yeah. the thing I do appreciate is like last summer and the summer before. There were a lot of specialty jersey nights, and the one thing I really appreciate, particularly on the end of Kenosha, is like they would have those numbers down pat, discussed, and decided two hours before first pitch. Like for example, if a player, they would have all the players try on their specialty jerseys to upon their arrival before they went out for batting practice, and then they do an exchange, and we'd reprint the rosters. But that makes life a whole lot easier because then you'd be okay. This player typically wears twenty two. He's wearing eleven tonight because twenty two just didn't fit. And we had an instant an incident in Kenosha where uh, there was a laundry mishap. And that and whenever you hear laundry oh, mishap no, and yeah. specialty jerseys in the same sentence, you know it's not okay. Let's just say our catcher's jersey, who is about twice my size, uh, turned his jersey from I believe it was a large, maybe an extra large. Into a use small. Huh. That, How? Oh, because the laundry. The laundry. Because oh, of the boy. laundry. And it, not not what you want. A use small. A use small. I kid you not. They auction it off as a use small. <laughs> oh, really? As a use small. Did he wear it in the game? How could he fit? He tr- turn into he like a wear tank it. top? Cut the sleeves off? He didn't, wear it. he didn't wear it in the game. But let's just say when he tried it on in, in the locker room, it did not go well. And we were lucky we were still able to auction off that jersey and it didn't rip in half. Uh, but anyways... It, Laundry mishap in specialty jerseys, definitely. And they were wool jerseys, too, so definitely not what you want. Uh, any final thoughts on uh, college baseball specialty jerseys, not being able to see the numbers? Uh, well, guy I, wanted to, guy I wanted to bring up, Georgia Tech again. Yeah, uh, I've been following the Georgia Tech uh, ball club just because I have a good friend on it. But Kevin Parada, on my yes. Twitter, he's popping up everywhere, you guys. He's a catcher. He's a sophomore this year, so not draft eligible yet. But in 11 games, six homers, 20 RBIs, a slash line of 467, 547, 978. He's slugging 978. In OPS, that means just around 1,500. That's through 11 games. He hit nine homers as a freshman last year in 52. <laughs> yeah, tell Tommy White that. Yeah, oh, expect that to be better. Um, but no, from a catcher, too, that, that is monumental. So got to yeah. keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I had the chance to see him play a few times this past summer with the Cham Anglers. And, um, you know, just talking to some scouts, a lot of them have him going um, in the top 10 of the draft. So uh, certainly somebody that they're high on. And he actually went to Team USA, played for them for a good chunk of the summer. Uh, So he wasn't uh, in the Cape for too long, but great player. And is he a switcher? No, he's a righty, but... Um, yeah, only a sophomore, too, which is pretty impressive. So, uh, yeah, definitely got to look out for man. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, got to look out for them. A lot of key players in the world of college baseball right now. We'll take our final break of the hour before we wrap things up here on the mound on VIC Radio. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. 
Get out, guys! My parents are home! What's going on here? You're not mad at me for throwing a party? No, sweetie. We're just mad that you guys don't know how to party. Listen to Songs Your Dad Life every Monday from 6 to 8 p.m. on VIC Radio. La la la. I love to ride my bike so I can feel the wind through my hair. Hey, kid! Wear a helmet! No, wait, Grandpa, because then I'd look like an idiot. The majority of bicycle deaths are due to head injuries. Helmets reduce the odds of a head injury by 50%. Don't be a dummy. Wear a helmet. Welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Matt Saucer alongside Max Tanzer and Tommy Muma. We've discussed the lockout. We've discussed college baseball. Let's combine them a little bit. I mentioned this a little earlier on the show, but since uh, Major League Baseball failed to meet their deadline for missing or for uh, having every single game played, a couple of summer collegiate baseball teams have taken the action of banning Commissioner Rob Manfred from their games. Two notable ones, the Bismarck Larks and the Kalamazoo Growlers, both of the Northwoods League, and this is kind of humorous. I mentioned what the Growlers' agenda is when it comes to their games and the show they put on. Bismarck, not as big of a show as in Kalamazoo, but they like to have fun up there in North Dakota. But what are some of your thoughts? I mean, I, I, I've seen something like this before, but it's, it's really interesting. Well, it brings a little bit of light. Yeah. So it's a very frustrating and disappointing situation, to say the least. Um, and I, I hope it's, it's a message to Rob. <laughs> because when you're in the role as the commissioner, I feel like he somewhat feels comfortable in regards to baseball. And the fact that there's leagues out there that are banning him, hopefully it shakes things up a little bit. Honestly, he probably doesn't care. He probably... He should be insulted. He probably laughed about it, just like Why he did he during laughing, the press though? conference the other you're day. Right. Well, it, but... it does seem like he stuff gets under his skin pretty easily. I will I, I will say that. It's something I've really noticed I mean, over the last couple of years. So yeah. it, it may bother him. But at the end of the day, he's got a lot to worry about right now. So I'm sure I'm sure that's what he's focusing on. But I love it because we need to we need to put some pressure on him and the owners right now. They sh- he should have gotten a deal done the second he was banned from Homer Striker Field. The fact that he is now banned from Homer Striker Field, banned from the mac and cheese at Homer Striker Field in Kalamazoo, that should be enough. Like, it should be everything. It should be everything. They, they, got, the, they got the leverage there when you have the mac and cheese. That's... I know. it's a fan. They have mac and cheese fest at the end of the season. Oh, I think man. our schedule for Kenosha works out this summer. We're actually there wow. uh, close to it. How about that? And it's like, oh, my God. It's like there's certain things you look for when you travel to certain cities. Sometimes it's a hotel. Sometimes it's the pregame meal. Sometimes it's the postgame yeah. meal. Kalamazoo. pre and postgame Best, uh, hey, meal plan, <laughs> meal plans. <laughs> we're, we're going full circle here on the mound it uh, all this connects. afternoon. Well, Every, when the Northwoods League is paying its college or giving its college players better food than I guess the owners want to give. Their oh players, my God! What a shame! Problem. What a shame! It shows that there's something wrong. That, uh, hey, that's why in the Northwoods League they got better quabs than in the major leagues. I mean, <laughs> oh, it's just, we got uh, well, they got Matt Sossler doing the quab charts. So exactly, exactly, right. exactly. More quality at bats in the Northwoods League than uh, Major League Baseball. <laughs> and we found the common denominator. It's a uh, 
it's the meal plans. It has nothing to do with everything else. It's uh, what they feed their players. But as we're running out of time, whew, speaking of food, we've digested a lot uh, over the last hour here on the mound. What are your final thoughts? Because we're going to be off for a couple of weeks. Got spring break next week and then the week after. First, when we come back in three weeks, what's the situation? Second final thoughts. Tommy, why don't you lead us off? Spring training will be underway when we're wow. back. That is my prediction. Not, I don't know. I'm hoping. I, I think that things are sounding better. I feel yes. like, you know, I mean, and we've had that many times. I mean, we thought we were going to have a deal in a couple hours, and then here we are, huh. um, you know, about a week later with nothing going on. So um, I'm hopeful that when we come back, they're going to work through some things, and we're going to have a deal. Hopefully the urgency is felt. That's all we can hope for. I mean, games are getting crossed off the calendar as every day goes on. So um, I'm hopeful, though. I'd say we have an idea of when this season's going to start. Not a date, yeah. but an idea. They will figure things out for the most part. They're going to get some. They're going to get it going a little bit. The wheels turning, but it's not going to be official yet. I, I do think it's going to take some time. I hope I'm wrong, but I hope by the time we get back from spring break, back on campus here in Ithaca College, we. Just have a target date that they realistically will be able to reach. Tommy, you said that they're going to be almost underway with spring training. Max, you say the wheels are going to be turning. Well, the the wheels are uh, turning in my head right now. And uh, the wheels, they're saying that we're going to be in the same position. I'm going to be sitting (laughs) in the chair two weeks, three weeks from now, and we're going to be in the same spot. I was just checking. Our next show would be March 27th, right? Wow. So I feel... That's like open... That's... Ah, that's three weeks I away know. from one opening day. I know. To so to me, I feel like by the 27th, you know, 21 days from now, I think we're going to have a deal. That's my I, hope. I don't think so. The wheels are turning in my head, and they say no because I just don't feel urgency. I don't feel anything at this point. What is it anyways? Like, But, hey, I, I hope they do so we can get into our divisional predictions, get into some of the important <laughs> stuff. But – a lot to digest here uh, on the mound this past hour, and uh, more baseball talk coming up next. Max will uh, take us through, and he'll be joined by Ethan Birch and Jeremy Goldstein to localize it a little bit to the New York area. But at this point, not a whole lot of local issues. It's uh, baseball as a whole not getting their job done. With that, that'll end things here on the mound on VIC Radio. For Tommy Muma and Max Tanzer. I'm Matt Sossler. Again, off the next couple of weeks. We'll see you in 21 days, and hopefully uh, better days are ahead for the world of baseball. New York Take a Walk is next. Ice skates. I'm getting a jigsaw puzzle. I'm getting dying coral reefs. A blue bicycle. A walkie-talkie. I'm getting a severe drought. Cool block skateboard. I'm getting melted ice caps. A killer heat.